The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from The Movement. Good morning, everybody. We're so excited to be back with you here this morning at The Movement Church. We are so happy. That's right. It feels, it feels like home. This morning, we could not even wait to get up and get here. That's right. We got up and got going even early because we wanted to get to the church. I think there's a song, Get Me to the Church on Time, something to that effect. We, <laughs> we miss you. We were in Mexico for a little bit, and we had a great time. We got completely refreshed, and uh, Megan found Jesus, so we were happy. Yeah. It was a good time. Anyone can find Jesus at the beach. Listen, right? <laughs> listen we're going to have fun today. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're a little bit tanned up. We're excited. And we're going to... More freckles. Yeah. The freckles started to connect. It's a it's good great. thing. And, uh, but we, we want to share a couple things with you today. We're going to tag team. I hope that's okay with you guys. Which means and we have to share a microphone. No, we, we don't have to share one. Technically, we have two. But I asked Jessica to mute. Like I have a mute signal, and she will mute Me your too. mic. And then, no, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> yes, I am. Anyways, we're excited. We want to share. Uh, we're going to continue. This is our last segment of our series called Crash the Chatterbox. How many of you have enjoyed it so far? Can you? Okay, good. I can't see your hands. Let me clap. Let me clap. That'd be good. If you've missed any of the series, man, go on our website. Check out the podcast. You can find it on iTunes as well. And uh, last week, Pastor Ben, I heard he killed it and just brought the word. Two weeks ago, Jeremy brought the word about praising through the process and We've been talking about how to really, let me just kind of give you a, a brief a, yeah. kind of recap. The, the, the series is about silencing the voices in your head. And uh, no, we're not calling all of you schizophrenic. We're just saying all of us struggle from time to time with listening to the lies of the enemy, saying I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented enough, I don't have the skill set, this is going to fail, just like everything else has failed, and everything I try doesn't work, and those Voices, those words that tend to always be there resonating in our mind. We call that the chatterbox. And this whole series has been about trying to discover God's purpose and promises for us. So we talked about how to silence the chatterbox of insecurity. How to silence the chatterbox of fear and doubt. Not letting fear and doubt captivate and rule our life. How to silence the chatterbox of shame and condemnation and we talked about how to silence the chatterbox in all these different areas. And so, so through this series, we've gotten questions that have come in through emails and texts and in conversations. And so we thought, you know, why don't we take yeah. the last week and kind of break down a, a few of the questions that have come in. And we want to just talk through this. It's going to be a little different format. It's going to be a little more discussion. And by that, I mean Megan and I are going to be talking. Y'all are going to be listening very <laughs> astutely. But, uh, but I, I believe that God wants to do something as we wrap up this series. Yeah. Uh, because this series is about the voices that we listen to will determine the future that we experience. Yeah. And I believe God wants to do something great. So some of these questions will pertain to you in your seasons of life. And some of them may not feel like they do, but you can pull pieces from every question that we cover. And if there's some that arise as you're here today, please feel free to email us at info at the OC Movement or text us and let us know what's on your mind so we can try to help bring some clarity to that. As we go through this, because I believe God wants to do something amazing for each of us. And none of us are perfect in this room. We say this every week at the Movement Church, it's okay to not be okay. We just want to work on getting better, yeah. right? In yeah. fact, the, the premise of today's mm -hmm. message is, is really found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it'll be on the screen. If you didn't bring your Bibles, it's up there. If not, you can follow along with your, your version app. But listen to what the scripture says. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. 
This scripture is identifying that there is a pattern that this world lives its life by and that God has a better pattern for us. And it's not dictated by culture, society, the norm, by social media, but God's pattern is a better pattern. He's saying here, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but what does it say? But be transformed. That means to change, to to allow God to do a work inside of us that we change. And listen to what it says, by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say that God will renew your mind, but you and I have the responsibility of renewing our mind. By the renewing of our mind, listen to what this says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. If you're here today and you say, I'm a Christ follower, don't you want to know what God's will is for your life? Yes. Listen, I can just, let me just cheat real quickly. Everyone on this planet would love to know what God's purpose and plan for their life is, whether they realize it or not. To understand that, wait, I have a purpose. It's unique to me. And no matter the challenges and the trials that I face, God has a better promise for me. That's what the whole premise of this series, but more importantly, today is about. And so just a couple questions, and Megan, I'm gonna let you kind of take this one first. But the first question that we wanna talk through is this, what do I do if the chatter comes from someone close to me? So in other words, it's not just the voices in my head, it's not just the things that I'm thinking on a regular basis, but how do I handle the chatterbox if it's not necessarily for me, but someone that is close to me? So Megan, why don't you take that yeah, one? Yeah, I think you just kind of answered a little bit of what I was gonna say. Sometimes the, the chatterbox, which is the, the things that we hear that are bringing thoughts or feelings of insecurity or fear discouragement or shame or doubt. Those are the things that we hear. And whether we hear them just in our own minds or we hear them from other people around us. And sometimes the chatter does come from other people around us. Can anybody relate to that? Yes. I I don't know about you, but maybe you have been in an environment, whether it is in your own personal family or maybe it is in the work environment that you go into or the school environment that you've gone into where you have felt the voice of the chatterbox. That means somebody who is saying something that is driving you towards just terrible feelings and thoughts of whether it's insecurity, fear, doubt, shame, discouragement, whatever it might be, the chatterbox is making me feel less than God created me to feel, right? And I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that situation. I have a good friend who currently um, works a job where she goes in and every single week, For the past probably six months, there has been another employee at her work who has constantly been the voice of the chatterbox for her. Every single time she goes into work, this girl has something to say about her, something discouraging, something frustrating, something that evokes insecurity and fear. This girl that I know is this incredibly beautiful girl, single girl. Any single guys in the room? I can hook you up with somebody awesome. Okay, awesome. I think you're a little young, but you thank might, you. That's you okay. might be a little young, but thanks for raising your We'll get your, your number later. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> She's incredibly beautiful, single woman and and pursuing God's purpose for her life. And every time she goes into work, this employee at her work is continually critiquing her, telling her if she doesn't get married soon, her eggs are going to dry up. She's never going to have children. You guys, for real, like somebody's actually saying those things. Yeah, we can say, oh, but I just want to go punch her in the face. And this last week, she had the audacity... She had the audacity to tell her, you probably shouldn't get in the ocean anymore because if a shark comes, it'll take the fat ones first. Yeah, yeah. 
Now let me just tell you. I'm going to give you guys her address later. We're going to all go beat her up, okay? My friend. In the name of Jesus. My friend is far from fat. She is gorgeous. She's beautiful. But this girl just has issues. And so every time that my friend goes into work, she is faced with a chatterbox that is driving yeah. feelings of insecurity. And, and even some just thoughts of maybe shame or frustration or maybe something is wrong with me. And that's the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of the chatterbox. Maybe some of you have experienced that in your own families. You know, when Pastor Carrie and I moved out to California to start the movement church, it's now been almost four years. And when we were getting ready to move out here, we felt like God had spoken to us, that it was time for us to move to California, a state where we knew only two people. And we were to come here and just start a church to reach South Orange County. And we, we knew it was the voice of God. And we were so excited about the adventure, but also a little bit nervous ourselves. But we started calling our family and friends to tell them about this great thing that was in front of us. And some of our close family members would say, are you sure you want to move to California? It is, after all, the land of the fruits and nuts. That's what people outside <laughs> yeah, of California Yeah, that's exactly say. what they said. <laughs> we slap them now, but they do say that. But they, the thoughts were, there are tons of earthquakes in California. And tsunamis. That was another tsunamis. That, was, that was another one. Check yourself while you wreck yourself because tsunamis are going to happen. But what's hysterical is these family members, they loved us. Yeah. But what they didn't know is that their words and their voice was becoming the voice of the chatterbox for us yeah. because it was creating fear of the unknown, even though we knew it was something God had called us to do. So sometimes the chatterbox voice doesn't just come from our own heads, but it can come from people around us. And we're going to talk about what to do with I, that. I do think, though, it's important to note real quickly, though, that not every voice of criticism is from the devil. That's good. I think that would be foolishness. If we started to think that every time we're critiqued or someone has something to say that might help challenge us to make adjustments to get better, if we think that's the devil, that's the chatterbox, get thee behind me, Satan, then we actually can very easily adapt an unteachable spirit. How many of you love it when you're around somebody who's not teachable? Raise your hand. No one is going to raise their hands because that's the worst thing in the world. When you see someone who's clear, can you imagine if a teacher was watching a student do a mathematical equation wrong and they just sat there and said, you're doing so good. They would never do that. Why? Because they're doing it wrong. And they're not going to learn how to make two plus two equal four. So the teacher's going to bring in critique or instruction to say, hey, you can make some adjustments and do this better to get the right equation. So not all criticism that is offered is from the devil. If we adopt that attitude, not only will we become unteachable, but we'll surround ourselves with people who only tell us the things that we want to hear. And I just want to tell you this, that criticism offered out of love, out of love is essential to growth. Yeah, that's good. Criticism... Offered, oh, come on, let's clap. <laughs> Give a real hand clap. I love being <laughs> criticized. Woo! Criticism offered out of growth is essential. Yeah, I'm good. sorry, offered out of love is essential to growth. Hey, let me can I just ask a question real quickly. We're going to talk to how to determine if the people around us are the chatterbox or not. But do you have people in your life who in a position or from a position of love are challenging you to get better? If you don't, I want to challenge you to start now. Looking for better friends, some people that can be a coach or a leader in your life. And then look at me, and you make a point to do the same thing to people that are following you. Are you tracking with me? So how do we do that? <laughs> what you're not saying is you just need to go around telling everybody what they need to do to get better. No, because... don't shake your head like that either, please. That's... <laughs> 
That would not be good. We could be a little bit more funny. But, but no, that doesn't give us the permission to run around just giving every single person we see critique. Critique needs to be spoken in love and yeah. out of a desire to help someone. But, you know, in talking about this point, what do we do if, that, if the chatterbox is coming from someone outside of us? I think the thing to note is that there's no formula for relationships. Yeah. There is no perfect formula for relationships. People are going to say the right thing sometimes. They're going to say the wrong thing sometimes, and they're going to say everything in between, right? Yeah. How many of you in this room have ever been that person who has asked a woman if she is pregnant and she is not? I did. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. Please don't ever do that again, okay? <laughs> that is the wrong thing, but you didn't mean it. See, we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we're giving people a little bit of trust and trusting that for yeah. the most part, people's intentions are well. For the most part. I know there are a few just awful, evil people in the world. I know. But for the most part... No, wait, that's actually true. Yeah. There are a few evil people. Like that girl at the, at the work of my friend. At the work. At the work. At the place of business <laughs> of the friend whose name will not be mentioned. I'm, I'm trying to avoid mentioning names. It's throwing me off a little bit. But hey, but here. well, you know, sometimes it's important. If you're overly skeptical and cynical, maybe it's time to give peace a chance <laughs> and just trust people. Let, let, give people an opportunity to succeed, which means they may fail, but give people an opportunity. Sometimes when we just believe and give people that potential, it brings out the best in them. Yeah, that's true. So how do we determine if the people around us Well, are, let me get there in one second. Why don't you do that in a second Beca- then? Because, <laughs> because there may be somebody in your life, like my friend, who has this person in their life that is just constantly a voice of negativity, right? There may be someone in your life who constantly feeds your insecurity, fear, condemnation, and discouragement. Yeah. And what you need to do is limit their access to your life. Limit their access to your life. So if you have a friend in your life whom you think is a friend, but all they are is a voice of negativity, all they are is a voice of judgment, then maybe you need to limit their amount of access in your life. Maybe you have a family member, and listen, what I'm not telling you to do is to just cut off your family and run the other direction. No, God gave you your family and placed you in your family where you are for a reason and a purpose. But sometimes there's boundaries that can be set and conversations that can be said. You know what? That's something we're not going to talk about. And you draw boundaries and lines, and you limit the access of that negative voice in your life. But for those of you who are going, well, how do I tell if someone's uh, input is worth listening to? Isn't that what you asked me, babe? Yeah. How do I determine determine? if they are actually a source of the chatterbox as opposed to a source of of bringing life-giving thoughts? I think there's three questions you can ask about that. Number one, is their life centered on Christ? So if you're trying to evaluate, is this person who's bringing critique, who's talking to me about something that is a challenge, makes me feel uncomfortable, is their life centered on Christ? Because if their life is centered on Christ, then there is a really, really good possibility that God is speaking through them to you, right? Number two, is there a sound of redemption? Is there a sound of redemption? What does that mean? That means, is there a sound that I, there's hope for me to get better, right? If someone is bringing a challenge or critique or saying, hey, this is an area I think you could work on. Is there a sound of redemption that, hey, you can get better at this. There's bigger things ahead for you. Because if there's a sound of redemption, then that person who's challenging you is probably believing the best for you and just trying to help you get better. That's a good friend. Hey, let me jump in for a second. Yeah. Hey, this doesn't mean that if you have people in your life that their life is not centered around Christ. Because many of us have friends and loved ones, family members who may say, you know what, I just, I'm not down with the whole Jesus thing and I, I don't want to have any part. That doesn't mean that they are the chatterbox for you. 
But it, it does mean that whatever input and in, in, insight they give you is going to come from a different perspective than what the Word of God may say. Now, sometimes it lines up, sometimes it doesn't, but it's a question worth asking. So if they are not centered around Christ, it doesn't mean you just completely throw away anything they say at all. That's not what we're saying. But one good filter to use if you're trying to determine if they're life-giving to you or not is, is their life founded upon who Jesus Christ is? Hey, he is the way, yeah. the truth, and the life. Yeah. No one comes to, G- to the Father except through him. He is the source of hope and forgiveness and peace and trust. How do you tell someone who has been justifiably wronged to forgive that person who wronged them if you don't know who Jesus is? Yeah. It's challenging. So that's a good filter to use, but that doesn't mean you throw away any friend or loved one or, or someone that you're related to that doesn't know Jesus, but it's a filter you definitely want to use. And the story of redemption, I mean, come on, look at me for a minute, right here in the eyes. We want people around us who, no matter what, can say, I don't know the answers, but I know that God is working a redemptive purpose. He's going to redeem the scenario and the situation that we're in, no matter how bleak, no matter how dismal, no matter how much. We did not know this was going to happen, but I do know. I know that God never leaves me nor forsakes me, so this may sting, it may hurt, it may be painful, but God is working something out of this nothing for his good and his purpose. That's what redemption yeah. is. Yeah. And you can't know that if you don't know Jesus. Yeah. So these are great filters for you and I to use if there are people in our life that are the voice or the sound of a chatterbox. Y'all tracking today? Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. The Sorry, sound babe. of redemption, the sound of hope. And the third question you can ask yourself is, is this pushing me towards purpose? Is this pushing me towards purpose? Is what they're having to say pushing me towards the greater purpose that God has for my life? Are they trying to help me get better so that I can accomplish all the things that God has in front of me? And the way we weigh all of that is that we desperately need the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I'm sending someone better. I'm sending a counselor, a guide, a comforter, a friend, the Holy Spirit. That means that when we accept Christ into our heart, we automatically have the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And when we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, he is our counselor, our guide, our comforter, our friend. And so when we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, we can discern whether or not the voice that we're hearing is the voice of the chatter box or the voice of someone who's pushing us towards purpose. And so some of you might be going, well, what does that mean if I have the presence of the Holy Spirit? Do I get the presence of the Holy Spirit if I squeeze my eyes really tight and think happy thoughts? Think of a wonderful thing any little thing will do. We had to know you were going to sing today. Always. <laughs> it's simple. Hey, listen, this is simple. God doesn't over, overly complicate things. He's, he's, I mean, he is a multifaceted, multidimensional God, but all you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, I need your help in how to relate to so-and-so. This person is driving me crazy. Are you, do you want me to stay here in this relationship so that I can bring hope? Or is this becoming a source of frustration that's pulling me away from your purpose? And the Holy Spirit will bring the right instruction. You'll know. You'll know. Okay, listen, that, I think that sums up that one. If you have more questions, or thoughts, let us know. But another question that we've had asked is, how do, how do we help? How do I teach my kids 
to crash the chatterbox. Some of you in here may not have children. That's okay. You, you may in the future. And, and so, but listen, just bear with me because it, it, hopefully you're inspiring someone to, that's following behind you. So listen, how do I teach my kids to crash the chatterbox? I'm going to let Megan hit this in just a moment. But I want to just challenge you. Parents, if you're here, whether you have a 1-year-old, a 9-year-old, or a 15-year-old, or a 24-year-old, listen to me. Hey, you are still one of the greatest influence in your child's life. I don't care how much of a punk teenage kid they are. You are still, listen, God does not mess things up. And he gave you that an amazing child who is driving you crazy as you're trying to potty train him right now. He gave you that amazing son who thinks he's smarter than everybody else on the face of the planet. He gave you that kid. And guess what? He gave that kid you. Yes. That means you are awesome. The greatest parent on the history of the planet Earth. You are it. Some of you are thinking, oh, man, this is bad. <laughs> hey, look at me. Don't forget that. Yeah. You're the greatest influence in your child. If you have young kids, start now. No matter where they're at, you can start now. Influencing your child in the way that he should go, just like Proverbs says. Yeah. Because when he gets old, he will not depart yeah. from it. I had great parents. My mom's still here. My dad's in heaven. Discipled us all the time. And guess what? I'm talking in the word every day, singing worship songs as a family in, you know, with morning breath, with no coffee. And I still made some stupid decisions. But I remembered the faithfulness of God in my family's life and the teachings and instruction of my goofy dad who would cut off sweatpants in an un- uneven way with loafers and no socks and shirt tucked into sweatpants too. I mean, bad news bears, guys. He was not cool at all ever. Val Robinson was cool, said no one ever. But I remember the teachings. Yeah. I remember the teachings and the instruction. Yeah. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? Yeah. You're the greatest influence yeah. in, your children, in your children's life. Absolutely. And before I jump into that, if you don't have kids and you're in the room, one of the things the Bible talks to us about is constantly bringing somebody else who's younger than us yeah. along in this journey of faith. And we have some incredible kids just across the hall here at the Movement Church who are being taught the truth of God's word, who are being trained up in the way they should go, having a blast while doing it. And maybe, just maybe, you are called to influence their life and to help crash the chatterbox in their life because we all know we have been a child, right? How many of you in this room have been a junior high student? Yeah? Everyone should raise your hand, all of you. You didn't skip that. You're not that cool. I really hope so. You look weird too. It's okay. It's all right. But we've all been there, and we know how, how loud the voice of the chatterbox can be in those years. So as parents or as people who are influencing the lives of children, we get to help write the soundtrack of their life, yeah. right? We get to help write the soundtrack that they're listening to and they're hearing. So the first thing we can do as a parent or somebody who's influencing the life of a child or a teenager, the first thing that we can do is speak to their strength and potential. Yeah. How many of you know if you have kids, it's easy to see the negative things? right? It's easy to see the things that need to be worked on or the things that are frustrating. But part of our job as a parent, as the greatest influence in our child's life, is that we can speak to their strength and their potential like nobody else. You know, we have two beautiful daughters, Brooklyn, who's 11, and Avery, who's six, and and they both have unique personalities. And uh, sometimes the uniqueness of their personalities can be so frustrating. And Brooklyn, my oldest, is um, a very direct leader, and she has a plan for everything. And she's convinced her plan is right. I don't know where she gets I don't know which parent she's like. (laughs) 
<laughs> but she's convinced her plan is right. And she has a process for everything that she does. And she's convinced that her process is right. And so How even... How many of you are process people? Raise your hand right now. Yeah, you, you're, yeah you're cheering okay, for her. Good, I know. Good, you good. love Brooklyn. I Only, love Brooklyn, too. That's good. <laughs> when, when we go to bed at night... Sometimes I just want my kids to get in bed, right? I just want them to go to bed, let's finish this day, let's be done, let's pray, let's go to sleep. But Brooklyn has a process. She has a process for washing her face and brushing her teeth and removing her contacts. She has a process for pulling down her bed. And if you pull it down in the wrong order, it's a frustration. Armageddon. She has a process for pillows and stuffed animals, where they get set up and how she gets under the covers. And if you mess up that process... She becomes the Antichrist. It is very frustrating. You laugh, but pray for us. Yeah, right. You've seen poltergeists, so, like crawling no, on the ceiling, head turned around, so, vomiting. So green. it would be easy at times to get extremely frustrated, right? But the thing that I know about Brooklyn <laughs> is that she is a born leader. That God created her to be a leader and not a follower. That she's going to lead some great organization in the future. That they're going to appreciate her organizational skills and her process, yeah. right? I know that about her. So rather than... Getting frustrated. I have to choose as a parent to bite my tongue. I don't always do this well. But to bite my tongue and say, you know what, baby? You are going to be the best leader of any organization that you choose to run in the future because you have such incredible processes. You are such a great leader. You can do anything you set your mind to do, and you're going to do it well, right? Because I'm taking those things that maybe could be frustrating, and I'm seeing the strength and potential that is in my child. We've told the stories about Avery, who um, is very creative and makes up stories all the time. She's like Olaf from Frozen. She, she is. literally is. Olaf. Yeah, she likes she, warm, warm she hugs. She likes warm hugs, so she'd love to hug you later. But If you're a creeper, stay away from her. Please do. <laughs> But she makes up the most absurd stories, and she tells these stories, and we get so frustrated because we're trying to teach her not to lie. But in order to call forth purpose and potential, we're trying to steer that in the right direction. So what do we say? Avery, you are going to be the best storyteller. You are going to be the greatest communicator. We'll be sitting at dinner. Like, how was your day? It was great. We had class, and then one of this instructor came in from the San Diego Zoo, and he brought in a monkey, and so we got to pet the monkey. It was like the coolest thing, and we learned all these facts about what they're in danger. We're like, whoa, 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 is that true? She goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, she literally made up the entire monkey part, like, and with great detail, and she's like, no. I just so she is going to be a great communicator, yeah. a great communicator, right? Yeah. But we speak to their strengths and their potential because nobody can see that like a parent, right? We call forth those potential things inside of them that we see. We tell them they're going to be great leaders. We encourage the strengths that they have and help write the soundtrack of their life. Hey, but you know, we don't always do that. That's true. We, we struggle with this too. How many of you have ever made mistakes as parents? How many of you have ever made mistakes as a child? Raise your hand. Just we're all on the same page. Okay, good. You know, we struggle with this sometimes. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with frustration. Like, just get in the freaking bed before I saw off your feet and tape you to it. <laughs> now I got some parents in here like, yes, amen. Yeah. It's a challenge. But, man, you, you can see the difference. How many of you can remember a time when someone in your life, even as an adult, came to you and said, hey, when you did X and Y, I was so impressed. It blew my mind. We'd never seen it that way. And you, you just brought something to the table. And on the inside, you go, <sighs> and it calls forth life. And all of a sudden, you have a newfound sense of confidence that you didn't have before. And I'm talking to adults, not just kids and teenagers here. I'm talking to 35-year-olds and 46-year-olds. When somebody came, you said, man, you know, I love the way you parent your children. 
The kids are so well behaved. You go, oh, I thank God because I was going to kill them last night. <laughs> so I just, there's so much to speaking to their potential. Yeah, that's true. That it so outweighs speaking to the things that they need to adjust on a consistent basis. Now, that doesn't mean we don't bring criticism. Right. We've got to make sure we make enough deposits so that when we make withdrawals, there's still a full bank. You tracking with me? Cool. And if we can write the soundtrack of their life with those, just encouraging the strengths and the potential that's inside of them, then when they go into the world and they Come go on. into school and they've got friends who are just discouraging and frustrating, because let me tell you, there are mean kids. There are mean kids. There are mean adults, as we learned earlier. mean adults, as, yeah. There, there's mean people in this world. But as they go into the world, then they've got this soundtrack in their mind of who they are, of who they were created to be. And there's an inner confidence that we can help instill in our kids that's so important. Number two, another way to help counter the chatterbox for our kids is to teach them to counter the chatterbox with the scripture. You know, our kids, no matter how old they are, they face fear. Yeah. They face insecurity. They deal with shame. Our kids deal with emotions that you and I deal with on a daily basis, whether it's from an outside voice or an inside voice. And we can teach them to counter that with the scripture. You know, I love that across the hall, our kids are singing worship songs, even down to our youngest kids. We have a worship team that leads them in worship, just like we worship in here. And there's a song that they sing that I love because my daughter has dealt with nightmares for a long time, since she was about three years old. And, and she would wake up in the middle of the night so afraid. And in church, she started singing this song, because you're with me, because you're with me, I will not fear. She started singing the song at church, and then when she'd wake up in the middle of the night, she would start to sing that song to herself in the middle of the night. Because you're with me. Because, because you're, you're with, with me. me. Thank you, honey. I, I will not it. fear, right? Mm -hmm. I will not fear. And so the truth of God's word was being instilled into her life just across the hall. And I know that there's many of you whose children have sung the same song. I know that many of you just have held on to the fact that your kids come home with such great knowledge and truth that's being poured into them. So one way to help crash the chatterbox in our kids' lives is to have them in the house of God, yeah. to have them at church, because you can know that the truth is going to be spoken to them, that they're going to learn who God is. We give take-home cards every week that tell about what your kids learn in class, that have scripture verses and memory verses that you can take home and talk to them about, because that is the best way way to crash the chatterbox is with the word of God. And then you and I can get into the word of God ourselves and we can learn what the scripture says about fear, about insecurity, about shame. We can learn and then we can teach our children what the scripture says because there is nothing greater than the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit, which means it is the offensive weapon we have against the lies of the enemy. So when we learn the word of God and we apply it to our life and we teach it to our children, we equip them to fight the voice of the chatterbox. That's and good. there's nothing better than that. That's good. That's good, babe. Uh, we talk a lot longer when we're together. Yeah. So we got to hurry. Oh, we do. Okay. I blame you mostly because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on time. The, the next question. <laughs> you want me to ask it to you? Uh, that's awkward, but Cause, yeah. Because I've been talking Why don't for a you while. ask it to me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so how do I deal with the chatterbox? Let me ready? Think about this Are you ready? On. How do I deal with the chatterbox when it just comes out of nowhere? It's good. Have I you ever guys been, ever been uh, uh, in an accident where you didn't see the, the car coming? Yeah. The worst, most nightmarish experience ever. I remember driving through an intersection in the colony, Texas, and I had a green light, and I went through it, and just right at the last second, I looked to my right, and I see this teenager flying over in this, like, IROC-Z nasty 1980 crap, 
uh, Camaro, and I see him curse as he slams on the brakes and just, bam, nails the side of my car. I get thrown into another truck. Now, every time I go through an intersection, guess what I do? I slow down. I never cruise through green. I'm always looking, right? Because that thing hit me out of nowhere. You've ever had those seasons of life where, man, everything's feeling good and great and awesome, and all of a sudden, boom, it just hits. The chatterbox just goes, and you don't even know, where did this even come from? Everything was awesome. I thought things were great. Maybe it was an experience that was outside of your control, and that's why you know where it's at. Well, let me just, how do we handle that? How do we handle when the chatterbox seems to come from out of nowhere? Well, I want to just challenge you with this. Start identifying pressure points or danger zones, warning signs. They're, they're there. Listen, the enemy's not creative. He's going to attack the same issue that you may or may not have from different angles over and over and over and over and over and over. If you struggle with fear for the rest of your life, he's going to try to attack you with issues of fear and doubt. That's just the way that he works. So start identifying pressure points or warning signs. So for Megan and I, they're, they're different. When she gets in, in high to-do mode and a deadline is looming and there's a lot of things to do, man, that's when her pressure points are going crazy and she's susceptible to listening to the lies of the chatterbox. For me, I thrive in that. Bring on deadlines and so much. Man, I'm like, yeah, let's do this stuff. For me, my pressure points are when my expectations don't match my experience. When I have an expectation of how something should or should not go, and it becomes something completely different, that's when my pressure point is. And now, oh, I get overwhelmed with discouragement or feelings of failure, and the chatterbox goes crazy. So, man, if you're trying to figure this out, start looking for warning signs. Like I told you, I don't just cruise through intersections anymore, ever. I slow down. Because if you've ever been T-boned in the middle of an intersection, you, it's not fun. It, it sucks. The pain lasts for a long time. The damage to your car, depending on if you have a Ford Focus or not, like I did at that time, is bad news bears. So I'm just telling you, in life, watch for the warning signs. Maybe for you, it's high financial crisis mode. When things are tight on a consistent basis, I'm susceptible to the chatterbox. When deadlines are looming at work, my marriage seems to be struggling more and more and more and more. So I've got to be watching for this so I know... The chatterbox is going to be going crazy. I've got to silence that and listen to the voice of God as he speaks. That makes sense? Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's move on. We've we got limited amounts of time. And we, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, you can share a little bit. Go yeah, ahead. I was just going to say, the one thing we've got to be careful not to do is not to over-spiritualize it. Because just because we're feeling feelings of insecurity or fear or anxiety or shame, it doesn't always mean that it's the devil, right? Well, I mean, all those things are not from God. But sometimes we need to not just pray about it. Sometimes we need to do something about it. We need to shift our thoughts. We, need to, we are body, mind, and spirit, right? We are body, mind, and spirit, which means sometimes we need to just go for a run. Yeah. Maybe go for a run and get our mind off of the thing that is bothering us. Maybe it's going for a walk on the beach. That, to me, is a stress reliever. Maybe it's listening to your favorite song. I recommend It's a Beautiful Day by U2. Come because on. how can you not be happy when you listen to It's a Beautiful Day, right? Maybe, maybe you need to go have a cup of coffee with a friend or do something to distract yourself. We are body, mind, and spirit. So as much as we need to pray and fight things in the spiritual realm, we also need to know and recognize the pressure points and do something about it. So maybe you make yourself a chatterbox to-do list, and every time those thoughts of negativity come in, you make a list that says, do 20 push-ups, or go for a walk on the beach, or go surfing. Go have a cup of coffee with a friend. Listen to you too. Whatever you need to do, make yourself a list to bring some distraction to that negativity. That's good.
Okay, next question. Why do I have more feelings of condemnation than affirmation? Anybody ever feel that way? Like, no matter what I'm trying, I just feel more condemnation than I do feel good about the direction that my life is headed. You know, I think sometimes there are things in our life that God actually does want us to change. Pastor Kerry mentioned this a little bit earlier. God loves us just as we are, but he's all about helping us get better, right? And so that's the, that's the process that we're in. And sometimes that process of getting better is uncomfortable and it, it stirs up some just insecurities and things that might arise, but they're so necessary. How many of you in this room have an iPhone? Anybody got an iPhone? Oh, man. Okay. We're praying for the rescue salvation. I know, right? If you have an iPhone, then you know that, that at whatever stage of iPhone you've had, whether you're still on the iPhone 4 or you're on the iPhone 6, that every few months or so you get a little button that pops up on your screen and it says update to software 3.0 or 5.0 or 8.0, wherever it is now. And it has two little boxes you can click. One of them says later and one of them says update now. Now, we all know if we click the update now, it's going to shut down our phone for a good period of time. And we're not going to be able to get on Facebook or Instagram or text start the people we need to text or make the phone calls we need to make. We've got to plug our phone in and let it do the update. And it's an inconvenience. So how many of you have hit the later button? I've hit the later button far too often. And if you hit the later button too many times, your phone starts slowing down, right? It stops operating at the fullness of its potential. It stops working well with the apps that you have on your phone. It starts getting slow and losing the battery life faster. The applications will hardly open anymore. Why? Because we chose to hit later instead of the update now button, which is a little bit of an inconvenience. It's a little bit uncomfortable. But in our lives, sometimes God wants to do a little bit of tweaking in areas where we can get better and we can grow and we can become all that we were created to be. And it might be an inconvenience. It might require a sacrifice. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. But if we keep hitting the later button, we're going to get to a point in our life where we can't figure out why. Why is nothing working? Where did God go in all of this? But maybe the whole time that little thing's been splashing on your screen. Come on, let's get a little bit better. Let's get a little bit better. That's good. Listen, the truth is all of us should be in a perpetual state of growth, that we cultivate transformation in our life, that we never just arrive somewhere. We always want to grow deeper in our relationship and our walk with the Lord, deeper in our faith, deeper in relationships with others. We need to know that we have an enemy, an adversary. In fact, the scripture says he's an accuser. And so the way that he speaks, the chatterbox, he says if the accuser shows you an area of your life that needs to change while simultaneously convincing you that it's impossible to do so. That's the chatterbox. We talked about this in week three of this series. The accuser shows you an area of your life that needs to change while simultaneously convincing you that it's impossible to do so. That's the way the enemy, the chatterbox, works in your life and in mine. But the Bible says that we also have an advocate. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being an advocate. And it says this about the advocate. It says that the advocate says, here is an area in your life that I want us to change together. And I'll give you the power and the grace to do so. The advocate comes in and says, hey, listen, there's something you need to work on. You've got a temper problem. And it's been there for a while. But that's okay. You don't have to stay this way. In fact, I'm here to help you. We're going to figure out how to walk through this step by step. And I'm going to give you the strength and the courage and the grace 
to do so. That's the advocate on your behalf and on mine. So we have got to remember that sometimes God's going to encourage us to change things. But in the process, we have to separate our worth from our performance. In order to make the change that is necessary, we have to separate our worth from our performance. Realizing that who I was in the past is not a dictation or a determination of who I will be in the future. Sometimes we're going to fail. And that's okay. Look at me in the eyes. Let me just encourage some of you in this room, process people. Perfection never has been and never will be the goal. We just want to be working on getting better. Listen to this. It's a very famous theologian. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over again in my life. And that's why I succeed. This is Michael Jordan. Listen to this. Abraham Lincoln went to war a captain and returned a private. He declared bankruptcy with one of the organizations that he ran. He lost six elections before becoming president. Thomas Edison made a thousand attempts before creating the light bulb. Steve Jobs, listen to this, asked both Hewlett Packard and Atari if he could just give them his technology and just return for a salary because he wanted to eat. And both of them said, no, it was foolish. Unfortunately for Hewlett Packard. Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs, but he struck out 1,330 times. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> Disneyland was actually originally rejected by the city of Anaheim on the basis that it would attract too much riffraff. In 1927, H.M. Warner said, who the heck wants to hear actors talk? After his first small role in a movie, Harrison Ford was pulled in by the studio vice president and he fired him and he said, kid, I've been around actors for a long time and you just ain't got it. After saying, we don't like their sound, groups of guitars are on their way out. Both Decca and Columbia Records turned down a recording contract with a little band called The Beatles. <laughs> Emily Dickinson had only seven poems published in her lifetime. And Dr. Seuss was rejected by 27 publishers for his first book. Wow. Wow. Failure doesn't mean I'm out. Failure's not final. It's not final. God's word for you is yes and amen. You know what? Hey, listen, some of you need to hear this. Maybe you don't hear anything else. The greatest promise for you and me from God is he's not finished with your story yet. He's still writing it. So separate your worth from your performance and recognize that God wants to do something amazing in your life. In fact, God never loved you more than he does right now. Never. (laughs) All the decisions, all the mistakes, he never loved you more than he does right now.
You know, as we, as we close out here, I'm going to ask one last question because I think it's important for all of us. How do I recognize the voice of God over the voice of the chatterbox? How do I recognize what's God and what's the voice of the chatterbox? That's important for us to learn. You know, we hear that all the time. And it's actually mm-hmm. challenging. In fact, we can read a passage of scripture in 1 Kings chapter 19. And this is one of, like, the, the, the most bad mamma prophets throughout all the scripture. I mean, this dude was unbelievable. And God was, was talking to him and said, hey, listen, I want you to go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And this is what it says. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, the wind, after the wind, an earthquake came. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. I mean, and those are the three things that if, I, if I'm in this guy Elisha's seat, I, shoes, I'm thinking, man, okay, there's a big fire, there's a big wind, there's a big earthquake. This has got to be God. So violent of a wind that the ground shakes. Only followed by an actual earthquake where rocks are breaking into pieces. This must be God speaking. The fire comes and God is not in the fire. The next verse says this. But then after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And God began to speak to Elijah. The sound of a low whisper. How do we determine when God is speaking or if it's the chatterbox or my friends or what? How do I know the difference? Because look at me. God wants to speak and is speaking into our lives on a regular basis. He speaks through different methods. Sometimes it's through preachers that are standing here sharing the truth of God. Sometimes through a great friend saying, hey, come on, you're better than that. He's speaking on a regular. So how, how do I hear or know or differentiate between the voice of God and the chatterbox? I think that it's important to know so many of us look for God to speak to us in some great, big, huge, miraculous way. But most of the time, it's like Elijah in the still, small voice. And one way we can recognize whether the voice that we're hearing is the voice of God is by an understanding that the voice of God does not produce confusion or fear. The voice of God does not produce confusion or fear. So when you're feeling something and you're trying to go, is this God speaking to me or is this just the voice of the chatterbox? Is this just distraction? Well, you weigh it out. What kind of emotion is it invoking in you? Because if it's confusion or fear, we know that those things are not from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, right? The ability to think clearly. God has given us that ability. It says in 1 Corinthians 14.33, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So to recognize the voice of God, we need to know that the voice of God does not bring confusion or fear. Now, that doesn't mean that the voice of God will not defy logic. Because let me tell you, 
when we felt like God was speaking to us to move our entire family to California, a state we had never lived in, where we only knew two people, and we felt like God was telling us that we needed to move here to start a church, it did defy logic. It didn't make sense. We didn't know how we were going to do any of it. But there was a peace. There was a peace that came with it because we knew that God was in control. The voice of God will always bring peace. And you know, in that, listen, it'll resonate in your spirit, which means that uh, they just show me a sign we're going late, but it's just what you get when two preachers are up here. So it'll resonate on, on the inside. We call that a prophetic utterance. Yeah, it's this thing. Like we, I mean, I don't know how to dumb it down, but just say you're knower. Just say you're knower. That same place where you fell in love with your girl. Mm. And somebody's like, so how do you feel? And you're like, oh, butterflies and unicorns. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't say that. You're like, I don't know how to explain it. I just love her. Right here, you knew it. Yeah. And sometimes when God speaks, it's going to resonate right here. Now, we can't just use that alone, because that's when people right, get crazy and weird. Yep. Just right here. You know, I just, my marriage, I, I can't stand him, so I feel like I need to, you know, divorce him and, you know, cut off his ankles. No, I don't care how you feel. That's not, that, how, what, what's the next step then, right? Well, not only does it need to resonate with our spirit or be right here, it will not produce fear or confusion, but also the voice of God is always going to align with Scripture. Right. It's always going to align with Scripture. Yeah. Always. Man, if we just... You know, I, I feel like if we don't check this box on TurboTax and we don't pay, that's going to, we don't have to send in a $500 check. It's going to be so much better. Okay, great. I just feel peaceful about that. Not sending a five, I'm so peaceful about not sending a $500 check that we don't have into the IRS, which we should, but I feel peace. Pastor Kerry said that's okay. No! It doesn't line up with the scripture at all. Yeah. So we need to know that it, there's a peace on the inside, but it also needs to line up with what the word of God says. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for the teaching and for reproof and for, for, for correction, yeah. for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That's good. So there needs to be a peace, but it also needs to line up with scripture. Right. If you're hearing the voice of God speaking, what is it, the chatterbox? Is it, God, I just don't know. Does it bring a peace on the inside? Does it line up with Scripture? And there's another way that we can determine if the voice of God is a chatterbox or not. And the third thing is, a spiritual leader will bear witness with it. Now, that's an old school term, bear witness. In other words, a spiritual leader in your life will go, yeah, I think that's right on. I think God's in this thing. Or, man, you know, I hear what you're saying, but, man, I just don't feel peace about it in my life. We say, that sounds foolish, Pastor Kerry. Well, let me ask you a question. If your car's broken, where are you going to take your car? To a mechanic. If your child is sick, where are you going to take your child? To your family doctor or physician. If your plumbing breaks in your house, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. That's the wrong answer. Who are you going to call? A plumber. It's not rocket scientists here. People are like, I don't know what's the right answer. Can I phone a friend? This is crazy. If you're trying to decipher what is the voice of God speaking in your life, who do you think would be a good person to talk to? A spiritual leader in your life. That's what a pastor is. Do you realize that Megan and I, we pray for you guys literally every week, praying God's best and greatest for you? His blessings for you. 
We're praying that you'll hear God's voice and that your family, your relationship, your marriage, your finances, your children, your purpose, your direction will be blessed in everything that you do. That he would prosper and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Do you know we pray for you guys? And when you have a spiritual leader in your life and you're trying to say, is this God or is this not? Go talk to a spiritual leader and say, man, I got a peace. And it lines up with the word. What do you think? Before we moved out, we, we just said, okay, God, we feel like you're saying it's time to, to move and to plant the church. It's just freakishly scary. We had a great job, great finances, great friends, everything we could possibly want. Everything we could need. We went to our pastors and said, hey, what do you guys think? And within three seconds, they said, it's time. It bears witness. What's a spiritual leader look like? It could be a team captain for the dream team. Could be a connect group leader. Could be a pastor. In fact, in just a few weeks, we're going to be ordaining a few new pastors here at the church. You need to come to our team now. It's going to be awesome. People that are going to come and be a, a spiritual representation for our church. Listen to this. Hebrews 13 says this. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. You know what that means, under the strict supervision? That means we're held accountable for how we lead. You're welcome. That means if we do something wrong, God's like, you are done. This is not going to be good for you. Y'all are not laughing at that. Can I jump in there and just say, this is why it's so important to be planted in a church. Not just to hop around from church to church to church because I like the worship over here and I like the preaching over here and I like the kids stuff over here. No, plant yourself in a church. Have a family who knows you. Be plugged into a connect group. Get somewhere where people know your business. Why? Because that is how you have people in your life who can help bring that spiritual guidance and leadership. Psalms 92 says those who are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of God. And if you want your life to flourish, if you want to learn to recognize the voice of God over the voice of the chatterbox, plant yourself in the church. I'll never forget, I was a youth pastor in Arizona, I I had this 17-year-old kid call me. He was a a young young man and he had a job and everything. He called me and said, hey, I heard your youth pastor, I saw it on the website, can I come and talk to you? I said, yeah, let's go grab coffee at the local Starbucks. So we get there, show up. His hands are in his, his head is in his hands. And he's just like, man, my life is horrible. I go, what's going on? He goes, my parents kicked me out. Why? For nothing. They just said they were tired of me living in their house. They had two other kids that they loved their other kids more and didn't want me anymore. My heart broke. Are you kidding me? Where are your freaking parents right now? Let's go have a conversation. He said, I can't even go back. They took away my phone. They're not paying my insurance, my car. Everything's done. What church do you go to, man? And he t- told me the name. You plugged into the youth ministry? I have been, but, man, it's just the people that are so fake. Flag started going off, and I'm thinking, this is not right. So I called that youth pastor. Hey, just talk to so-and-so. He said his parents said they didn't love him, kicked him out. No, that's not the case at all. He's been doing drugs for the last three years, stealing from the family, and he hit his little sister. They tried to help him get a teen challenge, Salvation Army, and he didn't want it. Finally, the mom and dad, with tears in their face, said, you can't come back home. Went back to this kid and I said, hey, you get your butt to that church. You let them help you walk through the redemptive plan, God's purpose for your life. But you need to know that this is not okay. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. So I could have tried to pastor him, but he wasn't in my church. I didn't know his hurts. 
his habits and his hang-ups, did I? I could have just listened to it and be like, oh my gosh, come here. Now, he needs help, he needs grace, and he got it. But you need to find a place where you have spiritual leaders in your life that care about you, believe in you, and are praying for you. Listen, the whole goal of this series is not that we can recognize the chatterbox, but the whole goal of the series is to recognize the voice of God in our life. Listen, God is speaking on a continual basis. The question is, are we learning to silence and tune out the chatterbox and lean into him, all of his purpose and his promises for our life? Because we believe it's possible. It may not be easy. It may not be perfect. God wants to give us strength and insight in how to live, to be a better husband, a better wife, a better student, a better son, a better aunt, a better uncle. Y'all tracking with me? Let's silence the voice of the chatterbox. Just like that scripture we read in the beginning of the service. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Man, isn't that what we want? Just to know, God, right now today, am I in your will? Am I doing what you've called me to do? Amen? Amen? Yeah, amen. Let's try that again. Amen? Amen. That just means, yeah, I'm in. That sounds good. I agree. Hey, listen, let me just take a moment and talk to a few of you who are here. and, And you may be thinking, man, I'd love to have a connection with God like that. I'd love to have some interaction, to know that I'm in his will or to hear his voice, but I just feel so distant and separated, like there's a ceiling between me and God or a gap between us, and I can't seem to get past that gap. You know what? That that gap is talked about in the scripture. The Bible calls it a sin gap. The Bible says that there is sin, that all of us have sinned. You have, I have, and it literally separates us from God. And there's a consequence and a payment for sin, which you get, right? If you speed past the police officer, they're going to pull you over and give you a ticket because there's a consequence for breaking the law. But the Bible offers this radical solution through the gift of God called Jesus who came and lived a sinless life and he paid the ultimate sacrifice by dying on the cross, paying the ransom or penalty for your sin and mine, paving the way for an amazing relationship with God. That we can experience what his will is for me today. And you don't have to get perfect. You don't have to have a perfect past. You don't have to do anything other than just simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, in a few moments I'm going to give you the chance to do so. You don't have to get out of your seat. You don't even have to move. I'm just going to pray a prayer right where you're seated. Would you just repeat it in your own heart? God knows what's going down. This isn't about becoming a member of the movement church. This is about saying yes to Jesus. And some of you today sitting in this room have been running from God, and today's the day to come back. Stop running. And as I pray that prayer, I want you to repeat it in your own heart too. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room, no one looking around, right where you're seated, no one moving. If you're here today and you've never prayed this prayer or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, just very, you don't have to say it out loud. Just right where you're at, just say, just say, God, I know you're real. I know you've called me. I know you've given me purpose. But I feel a separation between us, God. And I know it's because I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? 
Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for my sin. All across this room, right where you're seated, if that's you, just say this simple word. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, Orange County.